We hear in our gospel this morning about uh, two individuals, one who thought very highly of himself and uh, thought he was doing as the Lord asked him to do. And then we hear about the tax collector who really saw himself in the light of truth, a sinner. And uh, that's why we come here on the weekend, because we are sinners and we need... We need to have the presence of God in our lives and uh, words of prayers and scripture that, that help us to understand that we have a God who loves us deeply and a God who wants us to know that when we are sorry for what we've done, we're forgiven and that life then can be full of joy because of uh, that sense in our hearts of knowing that God loves us that much. Now, this weekend, as has already been mentioned a couple times, we celebrate the feast of St. Margaret Clitheroe. And Margaret was uh, a person who, in her life, came to realize how much she needed God. And, you know, Margaret died a martyr not because of her, um, her fighting for religious freedom, but she died a martyr because she loved God and she realized and understood how important the presence of God was in her life. And she realized that through the Eucharist. And that is why this parish is named for her. Because she was a saint who, a martyr, who who died because the Eucharist did mean so very, very much to her. Margaret was uh, born, uh, her father's name was Thomas, and her mother was Jane. Their last name was Middleton. I find it rather ironic that the uh, young lady who recently married uh, Prince William and, of course, has brought a child into the world, her last name is Middleton. And uh, Margaret was raised a Protestant, born in 1553, right in the the midst of the reign of uh, uh, Mary, Bloody Mary, who was actually Catholic, but... uh, Uh, Margaret was raised in a family who was not, and um, she marries at the age of 18 to a fellow by the name of uh, John Clitheroe, a very wealthy butcher in uh, York. In fact, he uh, wound up being on the town council, etc. And surprisingly, John was a Protestant, but his brother was a Catholic priest, and the influence of his brother upon Margaret helped her at the age of 21 then to uh, convert to Catholicism, which in that day usually meant great difficulty in life and often meant death. You know, the, uh, the, the authorities in the reign of Elizabeth would uh, tax those who did not go to church. How do you like that? We tax people who do go to church. <laughs> but the authorities knew that they could ruin people who wanted to practice their Catholic faith by essentially impoverishing them. And so Margaret would refuse to go to the Protestant services because she knew that what was being celebrated there was not of the truth. You know, the the English church was celebrating Mass, but not the Eucharist. And her husband was happy to pay her fines. He loved her that much. But there were difficult, there were easy times when everyone was not paying so much attention to what was going on, and then there were there would be periods of of persecution when if you weren't going to the Protestant services, you were suspect. And Margaret was rightly suspected because she felt so strongly about the Eucharist 
and about raising her children in the Catholic faith, that she brought priests into her house and kept them hidden so that they could celebrate the Eucharist and be the tutors of her children. And she would allow other members of the neighborhood whom she knew to be Catholic to come in and celebrate the Mass with them and also uh, to educate their children. And that, of course, is what uh, sort of uh, caused the problems. And uh, one day the, the house was raided. The priest escaped, but the children were still there. And the authorities uh, really went after the kids and uh, you know, threatened to kill them. And of course, if you're a, a nine-year-old little boy who is threatened with death, you're going to spill the beans. And that's what he did. And so Margaret was arrested, and there was not much that her husband could do about it. And um, the, the, the town was in an uproar, many, of course, against her, but so many who knew her as a faithful person who could not bear what was happening to her. And it is told that when it came the day for her martyrdom, that uh, the town was in tears. They knew that this should not be happening to this woman. And even the executioners could not kill her. They hired four beggars and left the work to them. And uh, as Margaret was praying her last prayers, uh, you know, the, the, the mayor, the officials who had uh, sentenced her were, were weeping and uh, asked her, you know, they were trying to force her as well to pray for the queen, which she left until last, but still did even though it's the queen's law that was bringing her to, to death. This woman dies because of her great love for the Eucharist, her great love for what we do, because she knew how it had changed her life. You know, having been raised in a, a, a different way and then becoming Catholic at 21. And surprisingly, she dies a martyr at the age of 33, which is uh, right about what we believe is the, the age of Jesus himself in dying. She is the proto-female martyr of England. And uh, her feast day uh, as a, a blessed was set on October the 25th along with the other uh, martyrs of England, Scotland, and Wales. Uh, some 70 individuals, mostly priests, uh, three women, who died because of their faith, who died because they wanted to bring and to celebrate the Eucharist for others and with others. And so this great parish was named for this saint. Uh, she is the, the favorite saint of uh, Archbishop Polarczyk. And when it came time to establish a new parish in this part of the archdiocese, uh, hers was the first name that, uh, that he thought of. And so we continue to live out, truly, her memory. A woman of deep faith, a woman who, whose love for God in the Eucharist, you know, we believe that God becomes present here in a very particularly special way, uh, you know, it, it caused her to be willing to lose, to give up her life. She was martyred in a form called Pien de Four. She would not, she admitted guilt readily and the, uh, the English, if you didn't admit guilt, they executed you and if you did admit, admit guilt, they executed you. And so she admitted guilt in order not to uh, have to have her children to testify against her. 
And so she was placed on the ground, a door placed upon her. She had her hands folded in prayer, and that wasn't allowed. So they stretched her out in the form of a cross and tied her arms to stakes in the floor and uh, then placed 800 plus pounds of rock and steel upon her. And the, the, the martyrdom was supposed to take a long time, but because they had entrusted it to uh, four beggars, four foolish men, she died within about 15 minutes. And um, she left an example in York. They still celebrate her to this day. Those of you who have been to York can visit her, uh, know that you can visit her shrine. It's actually the, the first place that I ever celebrated Mass uh, in my travels in Europe. Uh, that was 1999. And little did I know that that lady would get her hands on me <laughs> and bring me here as a pastor. And uh, for that, I am most thankful to, uh, to God and to her. I really do believe it was her intercession that, uh, that caused this to happen. So now we continue to remember Margaret Clitheroe, and we continue to try our best to live as she did, uh, remembering the importance of God in our lives, uh, a God who is merciful, a God who is forgiving, a God who, who wants us only to have joy in life. And uh, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, uh, the purpose of celebrating this today and then stretching this out for a year is uh, to celebrate who we and who we are becoming as uh, members of this parish, uh, God's people. And so let us celebrate that joyfully. Uh, we'll just, we're not going to you know, really uh, pump this up every day of the week for the next year, but there will be special moments for us to celebrate. Uh, this morning after Mass, there is an opportunity to gather out in the, the gathering space. There is uh, cake and coffee and uh, other uh, goodies for those who remain. And also uh, the folks who are our... Um, uh, members of the Twinning Parish that we have in Honduras will be at uh, the celebration out in the gathering space as well, so you have an opportunity to speak with them. And that now I would like to call all of our eighth graders who are present here uh, to come <coughs> forward before the altar, an opportunity for us to uh, enroll them in this continuing process of uh, becoming more, most fully 